Check, check. 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 Hidden rock bottom. Smoke them if you got them. All right. We're rolling. Country, country music. <laughs> I like how your side of the table is littered four quarter full bottles of wine. <laughs> we are here at the country, country headquarters. <laughs> um, hammering wine. Hammering, well, on, it's a very divisive table over here. There's <laughs> one side is multiple bottles of wine that are a quarter full or three quarters empty. However, you want to slice it. Occupational hazard. Uh huh. I have on my side um, two beers. I have Merle the Springer at my feet. Uh, there's a steel guitar right beside me, also for some reason. That's and, where it lives. Uh, yeah, that's where it lives. It's convenient that it's there for you, but it only moves for shows. I ain't gonna be playing it. <laughs> All right, what are we? Uh, what are we talking about? tonight we are talking today about uh artists who bridge the gap Ooh, i like it um people who people or groups who have cross no no not crossover um not crossover success into commercial pop markets but people within the country industry who are legit country who maintain that country country character the Elements of tradition that's still real slash legit country, but bridge the gap or cross over into commercial success as well. So country, country artists that are making some money. Exactly. I like it. Because we've been talking so much about people we don't like that are selling out or have just not been good from the beginning. All of the Backstreet Boys coming in and... All the different pop artists we've been talking about that are kind of polluting country music. And we haven't been talking a lot about what's very good in country today. And I, I think everybody talks about the poor state of country music today. And I don't think that it's as bad as it was. And obviously I wasn't alive then, but uh, researching retrospectively and listening to a lot of <laughs> prime country in <laughs> Willie's Roadhouse. We do talk about things like we're about, we'd have to be about 94. Yeah. <laughs> At a heart, I think we both are. Yeah. I feel like the late 70s, early 80s was still maybe worse than now, but if not about the same. But I think we're starting to peek through. The last couple of years has seen a lot of really great artists that are pure, real country, but more modern. Well, obviously there's lots of underground that is amazing and traditional and real, but that's going to be a fun episode when we eventually do the underground. Yeah, that's, when that's my wheelhouse. Up, yeah, that is your wheelhouse. That's the dirty cave that I live in. <laughs> <laughs> when we when we dig up all those bones. Um, but I uh, t- today we're going to talk about some of our favorites that are keeping it real, kicking it country, but doing well, commercial successes, uh, bridging the gap between. Uh, Country and commercial. You ever hear, uh, I was just thinking as we were talking about it, as, as I was saying, we, we need to be like 90, 94 years old to be talking about mm-hmm. some of the things with the authority we talk about. It with. You ever hear that Joey Alcorn song? It's called uh, 50 Years Too Late. It's, oh, I don't think I have. 
it's about basically being born 50 years too late. I often think about that. <laughs> is that the era you would have wanted to have been in? I don't know if it's the era I want to be in. It just seems like maybe it's the area I should have been. Actually, that's a lie. I feel like I should have been born like the, the Old West, you know, just gunslinging. Yeah, that, that would be a good time. But then, I mean, you're probably getting like cholera and like... You'd woods. be close to dead by now. Oh, at my age? Yeah. I'd be an old man. I know. I kind of am an old man. Wow. We're in our Scurvy, 30s. whatever else you get back then. No, we're we're not even middle age by today's standards. We're in fair. our 30s, and then that would have been that would have been the 70 of today. I'm also a bit surprised I've never gotten scurvy. Why? Because you don't like vitamin C. Well, I don't eat a ton of vegetables. I feel like sometimes I'm on a bender. Maybe it's like I don't know how long. It, how long does it take to get scurvy? I don't know, but on your benders, you've probably had enough like. Whiskey or <laughs> vodka sodas with lemon in it that you've just had enough. I was gonna say, wait a minute, is there vitamin C in whiskey? <laughs> no, just vitamin W <laughs> or vitamin JD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, as we talked about bridging the gap, um, I, I, I think we're 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 on pretty much the same same page. I, I felt for me, it's there's a bit more of a. My definition was basically artists that are, you know, they're moving the genre, moving country music forward in a progressive way while still maintaining the traditions, um, ideals, spirits, whatever you want to call it, um, of their predecessors. And there has to be an element of commercial success there. I think we agree on that, that you're not bridging any gap if you're not achieving any commercial success. What I like about some of, or sorry, what I like to feel, I guess, about some of these artists that we're going to talk about is that They've managed to bridge this gap without compromising um, any of their ideals or anything like that. And we'll talk about that with some of the artists that we talk about. Um, and so I like to think that inherently by putting out the music that they wanted to put out and not compromising and being the great singer, songwriters, whatever you want to call them, and, you know, producing and putting out the exact form of music that they wanted to, that it just achieved commercial success on its own. I don't know how much of that is actually true. It's very hard to tell these days what is contrived or overproduced or just in general just put out there to be commercially successful. And then I feel like it's kind of an endless cycle of, you know, when some of these artists, these so-called genuine or authentic or country country artists come out, then all of a sudden it's like the big machine jumps on it and they start churning out authentic artists because that's what's getting more popular. So it's which is okay. I'm yeah, 100% okay with that. With that. If the machine's going to start churning out authenticity, then I I think we've kind of achieved what you know, you want to in an industry, right? In, in a genre. Totally. That's, that's, I hope it gets into that. Yeah. I I hope that they start trying to commercialize real country music. And I see it it started. I agree. This is a good place for me to talk about my favorite. And this is perfectly <laughs> like you're talking about the big machine. Literally the big machine record label. Uh, Midland is signed to them. That was Taylor Swift's label. Had a lot of criticism for being like a very pop commercial country label. I think that, and I know a lot of people hang uh, Stapleton and uh, Sturgill as the flag bearers. Why of, you got to bite on the guys I want to talk about? No, it's like I, I don't disagree with you. I love them, and I love what they're doing for the genre, and they're great. Personally, I, as our differences, our slight t- 
different tastes in country music. I'm more honky tonk, uh, 90s kind of vibes. And to me, Midland is the best thing that's happened to new country music in, I don't know, five years. I don't know, maybe since Brad Paisley or Easton Corbin in a mainstream sense. I'm not even talking about like my other favorites like Whitey Morgan and whoever else. Um, purely I, like a radio mainstream sense. And these guys are, they're on big machine and... But they're unbelievable. And, and this is solely, and you can hang your hat on this, is that, and you know me, I don't listen to, I hardly, I, the only reason I started kind of listening to country radio is just to have some, be able to discuss some of this stuff with you. <laughs> but, so you, you turned me on 100% to Midland and I, I think they're amazing. So um, yeah, I want to hear more about them. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't planning on talking a lot about Midland or their history or anything because actually no, I don't know. I don't want the historical, but I, I want to, you know, it. I think everybody needs to understand, you know, who these artists are that, that are doing this this stuff in the genre that that is, it's new, it's innovative, but it's not. It's like it's progressing the genre, um, but it's still rooted. You know, I think it's important to be rooted. It's, it's a good way to put it. And before Midland... Um, came out, I would always talk about Brad Paisley in this way. Like, if you listen to any Brad Paisley song, it is very clearly honky-tonk country. It's twangy. He's got to be one of the best lead guitar telecaster country players in the world of ever, like maybe top 10 ever. Um, And great pedal steel, fiddles, everything. Um, But he's always maintained very pop culture relevance whether it's something funny, joke songs about the internet being cooler online and everything. Like he, he's, uh, he wants to check you for ticks, And like there's always something kind of funny and like young and dynamic. It's not the old school tropes of uh, the cliches that people from outside the industry would say, your wife left you, your dog died, your truck broke down. It's very much the music of that genre, of that specific kind of country, yeah. but with relevant young pop country, or not, sorry, not pop country, pop culture kind of uh, references. And so for me, he's been someone that has really pushed the industry forward and had huge commercial success as well. All I'm thinking about now is like that, I got drunk, day my mom got out of prison you know for that it's david allen Coe's song or i don't know who wrote wasn't that wasn't a big but. fan of david allen Coe. yeah <laughs> no, you know the song that you never even call me by my name no where it's like they there's laundry list like every everything that's listed in a country song it's like he's oh. talking about i wrote the perfect country and western song yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's all i was thinking when you were saying that um but yeah i i'm gonna wholeheartedly agree with you on on the brad paisley stuff too yeah and 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 then after that for me in also in the 2000s was Easton Corbin, um, which who at first, when he uh, first came out, I swore it was um, George Strait. I li- the first time I listened to him was like, is this? And, and we knew he was like ending his career and like slowing down towards potentially retiring. And I was thinking, is this on the same record label? Are they putting out someone new of the same sound and vibe to start taking over? It's all the same players on the, well, maybe not all the same, but a lot of the same players on the tracks, the studio musicians. And uh, it, I felt like they were maybe grooming someone to be the next uh, straight, but... 
you wonder what goes on in those back rooms. I eh? own. Yeah. And when then there, there wasn't a lot after that. And we saw a really weak period of uh, country music from, I don't know, like the early 2010s through to a couple of years ago. And then it's just like a bat out of hell with like, obviously for me, Midland two years ago, 2016, I think is when they came out, but John party at the same time, Cody Johnson, Cody Johnson, like, Oh my God, they're only a couple of years, maybe a year now he's been on the radio, but he's been, or the national radio, uh, but he's been killing it in Texas for years, which is something you can do there that I didn't learn about this until I was in Texas last year. It's and like its own country. Literally. And particularly musically, I couldn't believe that you could be like a legit country artist who can make a full-time living touring. Like Texas radio is as important almost as like national charts. If you're number one on Texas radio, you're going to be selling out shows all over the state and making a great living. Did you listen to uh, James Hand? Remember I told you you should listen to James Hand? I thought you'd like him. You did, and I didn't. Let's, we'll put some on after we're, we're done this. And uh, yeah. Anyways, um, what I was going to, uh, one thing I wanted to say is um, just in, in, in talking about still bridging that gap. Um, I guess my first artist that I, I'm kind of chomping at the bit uh, to talk about w- would be Sturgill Simpson because I, I felt like he's uh, almost a, a pioneer and I, I'm, I'm going to go through how I feel um, about that and how I'll explain that, that, that I feel he was a pioneer. And when I say pioneer, I mean that I feel like in this whole bridging the gap conversation is there's sort of two um, types of artists in the industry. It's like there's pioneers and there's parasites. And <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of parasites out there. And uh, what I loved about Sturgill is he just, he's always done his own thing. Um, he didn't, it hasn't been that long that he's been into the industry or, or into the genre of music. Um, the guy packs up a van, moves to Nashville in 2012, releases his first album, High Top Mountain, in 2013, which is a which country, I love. country. Oh, so country. I'm going to give it a third country. Oh, my God. <laughs> through and through. Uh, Dave Cobb. You Can Have the Crown is oh. one of my all-time favorite country songs of 2010 onward, yeah. or 2000 onward. Yeah, just the overall the feverish pace of it, and yeah. like lyrically, just like... Yeah, and it's honky tonk through and through, and it, yeah, so that's a Dave Cobb uh, mm-hmm. produced album, super well received. Um, comparisons to Merle Haggard, Will and Jennings, which is pretty wild for someone who just rolled into Nashville and put out the album. Every time, uh, what's the Turtles all the way down? Yeah. Every time that comes on, those opening lines of it, I always think it's like a split second. I know the song well, and I know he does it. But it's always, is this Whalen? And then it's like, no, it's Sturgill. Like every time. And I think that's when he started to hit his his outlaw kind of stride. And that was off Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music, uh, which came up the next year. So boom, year later, puts that out. Both these albums independently released, paid for out of pocket. Um, I felt like that album was still super country. There was some different elements he started to bring in that, like that psychedelic edge, which I was reading an interview in an interview with him recently where it sounds like he was, he kind of regretted it. Cause it was a funny quote of something like people thought I was like pouring an LSD on my cornflakes every <laughs> morning. Like, um, but it's, 
I thought it was cool because it's he did talk about drugs and and psychedelic uh, references and things like that. It's not something that's traditionally mentioned in country music, so it was something a little bit new. Um, There's a song on that album called The Promise that I thought was, I don't know, it's so, it's country, but it's not country. Uh, But then you really start to see his his crazy range. And, you know, I don't want to go song by song, album by album here about Sturgill, but it's just sort of my love letter to Sturgill Simpson. I'm going to take my my five minutes here. But uh, That's cool. I I gave Midland my love letter. You can give Sturgill yours. Um, So then this is where I feel like I need to convince you is on his third album, uh, Sailor's Guide to Earth. Yeah, they came out in 2016. That's his most recent one? Yeah. Yeah. You do so need to convince me. It, it wins a Grammy. I think he went kind of sideways. And and this is what I, I feel like we need to discuss. is like, so it wins a Grammy for album of the year, which is insane. I, I, I think I read somewhere it was like, I don't know if he said he wanted to do this or, or he did this. It was like something like, he wanted to print up T-shirts uh, for the next day that said, like, who the fuck is Sturgill Simpson? Because yeah. I imagine there was a lot of people waking up the next day saying, yeah. who the fuck is Sturgill Simpson? Yeah. Um, so this album, completely all over the map. There's strings in it. There's horns. There's a Nirvana cover song. There's songs about the Navy and heroin. There's, like, a real protest kind of call to action song. There's a song that's just an absolute, like, tearjerker, you know, love letter to his wife. Um, all that being said... Uh, is it a country album? Is it bridging a gap to anything? Is it a progression of country? Um, it was classified as a country album. We all know, like after our discussions, talk about little nuts. <laughs> yeah, like that. That kind of means nothing. So then, when I started to think, really, is it? Could we call it a one-off? Willie Nelson put out a reggae album, uh, "The Redheaded Stranger." Like that also, not not saying that was his reggae album, saying that's like another Willie album that was kind of, it was like a concept album. So I don't know, maybe this is Sturgill's uh, one-off, maybe it was his concept, maybe it's his progression. There's still a a handful of songs on the album that are pretty country. Um, And what I love about it, what I think makes it super outlaw is that he kind of personifies that whole outlaw spirit throughout his whole album, three album arc and whatever comes to be, I think he's got a few more albums in him. Um, we talked about this where I feel like I, I could not find the article, but I feel like I read it somewhere where he said, it's like, it's a, I don't know if he said it was like a five album arc or something where it's like, and then he's done. Uh, maybe I dreamt this. I don't know, but it sounded like a cool thing, but, um, so what's the convincing you need to do? So what I want to explain to you is that how outlaw this guy is and draw some comparisons between him and some of the older artists like Waylon or George Jones or even Straight, like some of the guys um, we've talked about in the past, um, things like, you know, when he started hitting the, the height of his popularity with this last album, uh, winning a Grammy, he turns down like a massive chunk of money uh, from a car company that wants to use one of his songs. He's like, no, I don't want, I'm not doing that. I'm not compromising my artistic vision so it can be in a car commercial. Um, stands outside the CMAs instead of going inside and taking his award. Yeah, that was sweet. And, yeah, protests fascism. Like, that kind of reminds me of, like, you know, like a George Jones, like the, or yeah. when he wouldn't play the song, and then when Alan Jackson was like, screw you, I'm, I'm going to yeah. play George Jones' song. Like, that's real old-school kind of stuff. And it really sounds familiar to what we, we talked about in, in our yeah. episode one. And I, I just think he has a lot of elements uh, of that whole era of that old school era of doing whatever the hell he wanted. And and when you listen, I mean, you've mentioned it a bunch of times 
that a lot of these country artists kind of went off the rails, so to speak, back then, like in the, in the 80s kind of thing, and started doing stuff that wasn't even really country. Now, I think their pressure to do it was a little bit more based on popularity and selling records. His was the exact opposite. He's maintained that outlaw country kind of spirit, but just pushed his music to somewhere where he wanted to. And there's no saying he's not going to come back to it. Maybe his next record will be the most country ever. Maybe it won't be. But I still think he personifies um, everything that is country music, and he checks off enough of those boxes that there's no goddamn way we can't call him like a pioneer of country music, like a modern-day pioneer. Yeah, I... You were not convinced by that. Well, no, I, I, I agree with almost everything you say. Like, I, I love him, too. I, I've seen him live. I know and, you do. I just felt um, like I, I'm really trying to pull you over onto this. I'm gonna, I'll win you over on this album eventually. I don't know. Like, I, I, as you were talking about it, I'm also thinking along the same lines as Casey Musgraves and her new album. I yeah, think who we both love. And I, I think along a lot of the same lines, she's a pioneer in new country. And, like, I loved her last record. I think the best thing she's done to date is pageant material. Um, the new record obviously has went much more pop in certain directions. But she's earned but, that. Well, she can do that. Well, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that disparagingly. I'm, I'm saying no, I know pop that. with I an asterisk. Meant, yeah. Um, because she still weaves a heavy countryness or westernness that she has had in all her other records all the way through uh, Golden Hour. And even though it's more produced, it is leaning more into the mainstream. She's still hanging her hat on countryness and not in a cliche way um, that and on top of it, like she uh, this is very personal, uh, not that anybody else should care about this, but she travels with a pedal steel player. So why that's important a, a like I notice it because I play pedal steel, but that doesn't happen that often anymore in country music because it costs a lot for bands, for artists to pay their band and then have a whole nother person, a whole nother salary to travel with uh, for that one instrument that in so many ways in mainstream music, particularly when you're going more in a pop direction, is irrelevant. And so to me... It's probably the most relevant instrument in country music. If we're gonna if we're gonna talk about it, that and fiddles. coming from two musicians and, who both play in bands with pedal steel, yeah, and it, that that and fiddles, um, six to one, half dozen to the other. But um, the fact that she's always had a pedal steel player that she travels with, and then she puts out this album that is clearly leaning more in a pop direction, but she's still like. There's full-out country bands that don't even travel with that so anymore. It's so, what we said earlier. She's still rooted. Yeah. Yet, yet she's totally. progressing her sound. Exactly. I keep coming back to that. It's but it's important. It's That's like, why she's towards the top of my list of uh, awesome artists who are bridging the gap, who are keeping it real, but having commercial success. Um, yeah, I love love Casey Musgraves. Saw her in Montreal a couple. What was that? Last month? Two months ago? I don't know. Recently. How was that? It was great. Yeah. The, like all her classics, exactly as always, like perfectly country. All her new songs, exactly as you know them off the record. They they had that modern, more produced 
poppier edge to them, but still stayed true all the way through. Just loved it. I, I wish that, I hope that she's setting the table for what people look up to in the, who are coming through now in the next generate. Like I look at other and not to gender things, but looking at other female artists on the charts right now, um, someone like Kelsey Ballerini to me, zero country. Like I I can't, I I don't remember all her songs right now, but I, I listened to it. It just doesn't register with me because I, I listen to it and it's like, Oh, of course it's Kelsey Ballerini. It's not good. Uh, like it would be a good pop song, but it's not country. Um, and then someone like Ashley McBride comes on and it's like, it holy day. fuck. Absolutely what is day. this? You just played like, we were just listening to a dive bar in Dahlonega. Yeah. And like, it's, it's also one of my favorite country songs of the last like 10 years. And well, I'm getting pretty jazzed up about it too. Cause like you said, we're going to see her in what? the Opry next weekend. Yeah. yeah. I'm very <laughs> pumped to see her. And like she, she's another example. Uh, maybe she's not quite at the commercial success level that we're talking about yet with some of these other artists, but she's getting there. Um, and very soon, she's I think she's like top three, top two, b- Billboard right now. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, it's and really she's cool like see. country. She's real. She's country, country. And if if this is the new trend. Like if, if, if there's less of the Kelsey Ballerinis and more of the Casey Musgraves, Ashley Monroe's, uh, Ashley McBride's, like the, this is what's real. You, you said it earlier that um, there's been some lulls. And I, I think outside of like outside of country, I mean, this is one of the genres I think you could say that a lot about is that there's been a lot of lulls, a lot of like, you know, big waves, hits the high water mark, drops back down for a while. Yep. Uh, or call it whatever you want to feast or famine. I, I think I boom truly think we're in. Yeah, I, I think we're in a we're in a boom or we're in a feast the right beginning now. Beginning of a, the beginning of a boom. It, it really feels like it. Like there's a lot of artists out there that are just. You just got to scratch the surface a little bit, right? Like, if these guys are everyone who we're talking about and some others we're still going to mention, if they are getting as popular as they are, that means there is a hunger for real country music. And we've been in such a, a, to use your feast and famine analogy, we've been in such a famine for so many years of Florida Georgia lines and Luke Bryan's and whatnot that it's, it's changed what country is. It's almost allowed more pop to come in because it's tacitly been said that this is okay. And this is country, this, this is country music also now. And if this is the backlash, and if the backlash is producing the Luke Luke Combs, fuck, like that record <laughs> is so solid front to back, and his collaboration with uh, Brooks and Dunn on the reboot, which was also Ashley McBride and also Midland and also okay, fuck, everybody was on that record. Who Worlds was are colliding. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's the backlash it, always creates the best music. And I I guess to finish my point is if this is what the backlash has produced and if this is who is going to be inspiring the next generation or blazing the trail for everyone who's coming up or seeing that you can get number ones and be making a serious living being a true country artist, that can only be good for the genre. Yeah, we're we're set up 
for for like nothing but success hopefully yeah in the genre and it's it's amazing the, the music that's coming out um right now and, and like i said just scratching the surface will will reveal what it is um i i guess the you know the the hardest part is just it's still getting it out there to the masses i was thinking about something um earlier today though as you know we're, we're both musicians we're both also massive music fans and uh, this is kind of a sidebar. It has nothing to do with Bridging the Gap. But I thought it was a funny thing where it's like when you're, I don't know how you are when you find like a, a new artist that's maybe a bit underground or whatever. You hold them there and you're like, I, I like I want them to get popular, but I love having. Like, I don't want them to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or like you, you love being that person. Like, hey, have you heard this artist? No, I haven't. Oh my god, it blows my mind. Like introducing them to people, and then it's like when they get big, then you're like, I. You have to be that guy standing there going, I was I listening to them when I was, <laughs> when I was ten years old. Uh, anyways, it was just a funny sidebar that I was thinking about. It's like, because the, then as a musician, you're like, I want everybody to get huge and they, they yeah. need to be recognized and, and everything else. But yeah, it's funny. Um, who else? Um, we both kind of were talking about Stapleton earlier. I think he's a worthwhile uh, sort of topic on this whole bridging the gap, commercial success. Um, I think he's a guy that we both really like. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like we've had the conversation a few times Um where you feel he might be a little more like sort of Southern versus like country kind of thing. What's your thoughts on, on Stapleton? Uh, I, I love him first and foremost. I don't want what I'm going to say to be at all a detractor. I just, I get a little bit hung up when so many people position him as the, like when they talk about country sucks today, except Chris Stapleton, that's what country should be. It's like, well, no, I disagree. Uh, we just said a whole bunch of people who I think are mm. more country than yeah. him today, whether he's a better singer or like, cause I don't know anybody who has a voice like him. Um, I don't think anybody <laughs> when they talk about Chris Stapleton, it's like, well, fuck, I can't sing like that. Yeah, it's like, right? he, he has a otherworldly ability. But when you talk about the whole music and everything, there's something that's more like Southern blues, rock, country, folk, Americana, meld in some direction of all of those that I love and he's great. He fully belongs on country radio. He's a leader of it. But when people say this is what should be country, this is the leader of it. This is the flag bearer. I just disagree. I don't think it's country enough to like full, like there's few fiddles. There's no pedal steel. There's, it's like it, there's great like bluesy guitar, but then all of the things that he does have like that lean it a little more into like more Memphis than Nashville or Austin. You know what I'm saying? I I do a hundred percent. And I don't even have a a counterpoint. I have more of like a complimentary, um, reason of why I, I think he's important because I agree with you and I'm saying he is important oh, I, and I know you love him too we've, yeah. we've had this discussion uh, I'm a just bunch of all times. I'm saying is he's not like the king and the flag bearer yeah and, and I agree with you a hundred percent so I think the reason well first of all I, I love his music we, we both do we've discussed this he's he's amazing I think he's done a lot for the genre what I think is important about Stapleton is that it, it's basically part of what you said and that he infuses a lot of stuff in his music. Um, yeah. You know, like a lot of blues. There's even like arguably say there's some gospel in there, like yep. all kinds of stuff. There's some rock, like, so it's got a really cr- like strong crossover appeal into mainstream music. 
And I almost think of it as like, it, it's a, when we say bridging the gap in a commercial success, you could almost bridge it like you're bridging it backwards to people who maybe aren't that into country. And I feel like Stapleton has grabbed some of those people. And a lot of like a lot of people that I've met that like Stapleton, like they don't even like country music that much. And they I guess just, if I can just interject yeah, yeah. something there, I, I, I think that's where part of my thoughts of him come from, because he reminds me of Johnny Cash in that way. So often when I'm talking to friends or people I meet or if, if country comes up in a conversation and it's with a not country music fan or quote unquote, and they're like, oh yeah, I love country. Like I love Johnny Cash. And it's like, cool. You're Anybody like, else? There's, there's Yeah. And like, that's all they know <laughs> yeah. because it's this guy who's fully country, but he was as much like rock folk, everything else as he was country yeah. gospel as yeah. well. Like he, he crossed over elements, a lot of yeah. genres and if you're someone who's into that era of country and all you know is Johnny Cash, you're probably not a country fan because you should be talking about Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, everybody. But so you hope someone like Stapleton would call it, if 20% of the people that listen to Stapleton delve deeper and find other artists um, that are you know more on the countryside, yeah. then they'll, then they'll find Sturgill. If they yeah. Google Stapleton and someone else like him, yeah, Sturgill will be number one that comes up after it. I assume. I do kind of feel too that you know Stapleton's helping uh, open some doors for like songwriters. Like his stuff is it's very well written, all of it. Like there, there's not much like fodder in there. Like songs that aren't that are written about nothing. There's like a lot of substance there, and I I, I think that's another big thing that's happening in the genre is that like songs with substance are, are starting because it's like it's again I think it's the backlash. People are sick of maybe not. Hey, everybody. girl, hop in the truck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go ride down the country road and whatever else. Like, yeah, just saying all of the taglines. Yeah, yeah. The laundry list that we've spoken about many times. But yeah, so I think he's he's driving that a little bit more. Like the songs totally. are thought out. They're insightful. Well, he was a top Nashville writer for years. He's he's got cuts for all kinds of artists. Tim McGraw and whoever else. Yeah. What whiskey, whiskey and you? I think was yeah that was, yeah uh, yeah that, that was T- Tim McGraw and who 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 else cut that? I re- Jason uh, Jason Eady. yeah yeah and then so it was funny because I'm pretty sure so it's a Stapleton song, Tim McGraw cut I think it, was the first to cut it. Then Jason, Eady, but it was an al- it wasn't a single; it was an album cut. Yeah, and then Jason Eady cut it in that super slow slow format. Yeah. And then Stapleton recorded it in the Jason E.D. format, which was so cool that like... But that's not... We don't know what his original format was like. Maybe maybe that's how... Sta- maybe the current version that Stapleton's record is, is how it was done. And then maybe... Did we talk about this before? Are we four episodes so. in talking about something? The same? <laughs> I, did we talk about that I before? Know, maybe. I doubt it. Yeah. I, I feel like we've talked about it in some ways. Maybe at like one of our hungover brunches that we have. It's very possible. <laughs> By the way, this is how this podcast started, is hungover brunches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's... Tequila Caesars are the secret. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably good. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say about Stapleton. I, I, I think we've covered I don't believe a lot you. of it. Well, yeah, I could say some more. What the only thing I was gonna say, because I didn't want to get into like, uh, um, like a whole Jamie Johnson thing, because I think he's I love not, Jamie Johnson, and he, but he's not doing much, so I don't know how, how relevant it is to talk about. But the only thing I was gonna say is when I got into the songwriter spiel with Stapleton was that I feel like kind of the same thing could be said for Jamie Johnson is that like 
2008 to like 2010 when he was pumping out those the last like yep. you know, whatever guitar song and uh, lonesome song. Those albums peaked pretty in color. High. Yeah, like that's, that's got to be his number one song in color. Yeah, that yeah. and that song is you listen to that like that's an unbelievable song. And I, I felt like he's one of those guys that he was a massive songwriter. Yeah, you know, writing such gems as like honky tonk badonkadonk. Really, he wrote <laughs> he that. Wrote that yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but all jokes aside. Um, well, he, uh, living for the, no. Uh, oh, shit. What was his George Strait song? Uh, I mean, no, he's written, he wrote a lot of songs before he did. I mean, and every, all I'm saying is Take that, it away. Uh, oh, shit. What's that? <laughs> You'll get it. But yeah, his, his songwriting Give it away. career is. I was like saying, take it away. I know this song. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, the Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Yeah, yeah, you wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, what I was going to say is just, I, yeah, he has not done a lot lately. And uh, I've been really digging trying to figure out why he hasn't done much lately. But um, at any rate, he was one of those guys, just, and he still is, where it's like he was such a prolific songwriter. And then it parlayed into like two very amazing albums, one of which was like a full double album of just like, goodness everything on it was amazing um so yeah i didn't want to get into like a giant jamie johnson thing because i he hasn't put out much news so it it kind of yeah he obviously bridged the gap but he bridged the gap like 10 years ago yeah um and i hope to to see some new material i'm sure we will well um somebody that i touched on earlier cody johnson i, I think there's something interesting to maybe talk a little bit more about the Texas music scene because I'm, I'm enamored with it now, and it's it's really blown my mind that it exists because I didn't I'd never been to Texas before last year, I didn't realize how it operates and musically how things worked. So on top of Cody Johnson sticking within that Texas theme, also John Wolf, big fan of him. I saw him there last year, and these guys. John Wolf a little more of a pop sound. Uh, Cody Johnson, more Western Texas music sound. But they're both fully successful only in Texas. And like going above and beyond is just, it, it's gravy. Um, and for someone like Cody Johnson to now be having several singles on the on the overall charts, I, I think is, is, is fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just entirely amazing that one state can be so self-sustainable and then beyond that be be gravy. Um, it seems to be its own like little microcosm, which is like yeah. I've never been there. And I know you've been there and um, you like your rave reviews of everything down there. And like, yeah, I want to I want to go badly. But you hear that about like everything over there that it's just like, it's just this like self-sustaining, like, and I thank I God for the internet because I just keep in touch with Texas circles now to get so much of the music and new things and interest for me that in a lot of ways is far more interesting than what's happening in Nashville. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't like, I think it's almost trendy to, sort of bash the the Nashville scene and I think like I, I know a lot of people in Nashville um 
from you know uh, well muddy roots like that music festival that I go to a lot and there uh, there is a whole independent scene going on down there that's that's it's very underground and it's well I mean it's not so much underground anymore it was underground ten years ago but um, yeah well I mean I, I think it is a bit like I said almost trendy to, to bash Nashville but there is there is a scene there but yeah I don't think like I don't know a whole lot about Texas but everything I ever hear is that it's just like it's exploding on all fronts like it's not like I, I, I don't know how it was in past years it sounds like it's always been its own thing my impression is that this is not a new trend this is just how things operate there and have always operated and it just never died off and things go pop and do something different in Nashville but but hey you're in Texas different yeah. deal here yeah it's a Tex- own. you're number one on texas radio awesome you're making a living yeah. you can tour constantly well like, it's also enormous right like as yeah. in terms of, of land mass yeah and, and yeah. people yeah i've always wanted to go down for um uh willie's fourth of july yeah the picnic yeah that'd be something we Maybe should we'll get down road trip. That. We'll road trip down there. Yeah, we'll do a, a a Texas episode of. Yeah, won't do South by Southwest, but go for the <laughs> skip South by Southwest and go for the. I would picnic. Yeah, I love. I the picnic is number one, but I, I'm not gonna lie. I would love to go to South by Southwest. I've heard it's madness, but I, I I mean I like so many different genres. I think it'd be fun to just like randomly walk around and yeah. and see all of it. But we this should be a future episode. We should do like a whole Texas episode. All Texas music. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've. Got a long list. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, shelved for later. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else? Who? Oh, so someone that we were talking about when planning this, for me, did we already talk about Brad Paisley? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, we got into I'm it. I'm a couple of drinks deep. Never mind, <laughs> carry on. You always talk about Brad Paisley when you're <laughs> drunk. <laughs> uh, another one along the same timelines, um, and it's... Kind of stupid to say in today's context, but Blake Shelton. Uh, there's been a number of tunes, particularly early on. Um, I guess yeah, that doesn't really matter because we're talking about today, not because that was more relevant ten or more years ago. Um, yeah, so forget that. Anyway, you're not gonna talk oh, Eric about Church. Blake Shelton? No, 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 no. Forget, scrap Blake Shelton. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, just uh, I'm gonna take a picture of what <laughs> the table looks like across from me. I don't and even post know. That. I ha- like this was not planned. It was. I knew it was in my bag because I took it off a, a vest that I had, and I wanted to put it on to my bag, um, my bag that holds my beer. <laughs> so he's got a bumper sticker that says Blake Shelton is a dickhead. <laughs> I was not expecting seeing that. <laughs> I was just like, that's why I was yelling about it when I was leaning over and getting it. Because I was like, no way is he setting me up for this. <laughs> Sorry if I busted your ears down with that <laughs> burst out laughter. Oh boy, it's getting late. It's getting late in the yeah. uh, in the old country country music compound. <laughs> um, I guess the last major guy on my list. Um, I haven't really thought this through much before the couple minutes before, Just so I may be missing someone. Organically, Eric Church. 
some things I don't like from him. I know people who like Eric Church love Eric Church. So if you're one of those people, you're going to be upset that we haven't mentioned him earlier or that there's something that we dislike about him. There's a few songs that aren't my favorite. Um, a lot of my favorites from him either weren't singles or weren't necessarily the biggest chart chart toppers. Uh, chart choppers? Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are good hits. <laughs> Uh, They're also delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. He's he's someone who very much walks right through the middle of progressive pop country but maintains real country cred. Um, he's he's never, got a good outlaw vibe too. Yeah, he's never been the twangiest guy, yeah. uh, never been the most quote-unquote traditional guy, but like very much been him and he's never taken a pop sound. It's almost like he's veered more towards rock than anything. Yeah. It springs that's why it's Springsteen. Like well, he, and his live show like yeah. it's unreal. So you're you're very spot on when you talk about the rock approach is like mm-hmm. his show is it's almost a rock show. And yeah, that Springsteen thing is that's yeah. spot on as well. Which I I, I really like and really like him. Um he he doesn't top the list for me, but he's definitely been a staple of it for when was his first record like 07 maybe yeah that I, i'm not gonna claim to yeah i think i think it was 07 or 08 or at least the first one that was relevant on the radio that we first saw him from i saw him at uh where did i see him i think it was in nashville like well outside at there's this venue something on the woods it's like barbara mandrell's old like estate or something huh. and it was like this willie nelson like country road show thing and anyways it was cool it was a good show i think he's playing here uh, in the summer but yeah i'm gone on my honeymoon i'll be there i'll i'll give you live updates awesome <laughs> you can live tweet the whole thing <laughs> i don't know how we're doing um you know on time i, I got one last guy i wouldn't mind mentioning um, we've got time throw it down uh tyler childers yes I, he's I cannot. I can't. You can attest to it. I can't shut up about this guy. Like totally. But the only thing I'm going to say is: is he commercially successful yet? No. But I, I think where I'm going to where I'm driving this at is that okay. I, I think he's going to get there. Okay. And prediction. That's my prediction. Okay. And I mean, you could ar- you can make the argument that it's like he, he was just on the the Grand Ole Opry. So I mean, that's that doesn't like, mean anything. No, but I mean, it's it's a precursor to uh, to some success at any rate. But. The, the way this, this guy's train is moving, it's like there's no stopping it. And uh, so I, I started listening to this guy a few years ago. He had like, I, I realized as I sort of delved into um, just the, the when the release dates and stuff of his albums when I was researching this, was like I he had this acoustic album. It was just him and his guitar. And it, I think it was like 2011. And then I realized there was not really a release since then. And then 2017, he comes out with uh, this Purgatory album. Uh, co-produced by Sturgill Simpson and mm-hmm. someone named David Ferguson, who was uh, a, a, one of Johnny Cash's like sound engineers, which is pretty cool. Kind of an old and new yeah. vibe, which is very much personifies what, or he very much personifies that vibe yeah. of like the old and the new. And uh, you know, he, he was doing opening acts for like John Prine, Jack White, Sturgill Simpson, and then I guess that's probably how they met. And then pretty cool throwback to Sturgill that, that he's producing this this mm-hmm. guy. Um, you know, I think he just completed a headlining tour last year. I, I saw him uh, in Toronto last year, and 
it was wild. Like I, I went to this show thinking it was at the horseshoe and uh, I was thinking like it, it's going to be awesome. Like it sold out really fast and um, it, I was a bit surprised by that because I was, I thought like I, I was saying earlier, I'm like, when you just, you think you discover an artist for yourself and like nobody's listening to them and you're all excited. And I was like, Oh wow, it sold out that fast. Like I had to get someone to get me tickets because it mm-hmm. was sold out that fast. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, I, I get there and I'm thinking like, it's going to be a super hipster crowd, like, because it's, he's to me, he was still underground and, and I walk in there and it's just like the craziest cross section of people, like old to young, every style I could think of. And I was like, okay, well, it's the horseshoe. Maybe everyone wants to come out and party. Um, I've played there before. It's it's always just a rager, you know. And uh, then he starts playing, and th- like I'm thinking, my, I fancy myself a super fan at this point. I've been listening to him for a few years. And <laughs> I think I know all the songs. And every single person in that crowd was singing every single lyric to every song he was playing. And I'm standing at, like, it was the point where I was like, guys, can you shut up? Like, I want to hear him play a little bit. I'm standing at the back cause I need to be close to the bar cause I'm an alcoholic. But I was <laughs> like, every, and it was amazing that all these people from all walks of life in Toronto, Ontario, Canada are just, they know every single thing, every lyric, they were rabid fans. So that, so, okay. So, Extending on that, continuing to talk about the commercial aspect of things, that brings up another point that it's not commercial, commercial success today, meaning financially to the artist or band, isn't the same as it used to be. You don't have to be on the radio anymore to be a commercial success. Um, yeah, because how do these people know? Like every single Spotify, Apple Music, and that's becoming so much more relevant. Everybody, like that. I mean, whole, you make no money off of it, but at least it gets you know a whole you crowd make money of off. If, if you're big enough, you make money. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't make money off of Spotify, streaming, no. no. But if that gets it you big, is. if that's the platform, exactly. Yeah. So if so, Tyler Childers never heard him on country radio, um, other than Outlaw Country XM. Otherwise, nowhere. Um, how does every, not everybody listens to outlaw country on XM? No. So this whole big venue, how did they know him back then? They would have had to have got to him through Spotify, Apple music or whatever else. And he's doing well and only doing better and starting to, I'm, I'm sure he will start to come on a more mainstream sense that, or sorry, mainstream Avenue. Yeah. Uh, in the radio well that's a good point to make about because everybody in the industry well I guess not the industry but musicians bash like streaming so hard you look at it if you look at it from the standpoint that it filled the entire room so you could arguably say that how big is the horseshoe like how many what's capacity I don't know thousand Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was like somewhere between 500. That, and I, I might be pulling that out of my ass. It yeah. could be like 500. I mean, it's, it's a double room, right? Like yeah. there's like a front room in the back room. Yeah. Maybe let's split the difference. Is it like seven, 700, you know, yeah, somewhere. Know. Anyways, yeah. it doesn't really matter. But all I was going to say is that he, he fills that room. Okay. All those people fill that room because of what you're saying, because of discovering them on streaming platforms, whatever that his merch booth, like, or merch table, whatever you call it, um, you could gotten you could not get near it for 
pretty much the in- the only reason uh, I was able to buy stuff is because that's where I ended up standing when I was because watching. it was close to the bar. <laughs> yeah, that, that. yeah, exactly. Um, but oh my god, like the merch that was leaving that place, vinyl T-shirts, yeah. uh, beer koozies, hats, like just hand Do you over mean fist. Cozy? Uh, yeah, whatever. I said the American one, eh? <laughs> it's that's, all right. that's the weirdest sentence I've ever said. I said, the American one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he, he filled the room. He sold a ton of merch. And, you know, I, so I guess what I'm saying is streaming is probably not that bad if it's driving people to... Yeah, it's just a new business money. model. But yeah, I think he's he's an amazing artist. He's got a very unique voice and a very unique take on songs. I think he's country country through and through i agree um the song structures and this is a bold statement the song structures the lyrics i think they're so unique it reminds me i'm not i'm not saying in the structure that he does them. i'm saying in the way that he does them in such a refreshing and different way it reminds me of willie nelson a little bit and how willie always did things his own way and when i listened to tyler childers for the first time i was like what what is this like this is wild it's like I, I felt like that might have been how people listened when the first time they heard Willie, like, you know, it just kind of blew their minds because you're like the first time they heard Willie was very different than what Willie is now. That's fair because he was Nashville sound songwriter. Um, what label was he on? He was on one of the old school labels. He was like an in-house writer writing very like smooth 60s like Jim Reeves kind yeah, of record but you yeah. know what I mean that like disjointed like kind of yeah, stuff yeah. that he did and it's like people are like I recognize this as country but it sounds so <laughs> different yeah I don't know why I threw on a, my worst British accent there but I was appalled my monocle <laughs> fell right into my glass of scotch <laughs> anyways that's my my spiel on Tyler Childers and I, I hope maybe we'll do like a you know, five-year anniversary Bridging the Gap episode and, you know, Tyler He's be a superstar. A superstar, yeah, with rhinestone boots and ostrich <laughs> whatever. Underwear. <laughs> Riding an ostrich. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, what do you say we put on a Casey Musgraves record? I'm into that. And then maybe after that, I think we're going to need to listen to a James Hand record to get into that Texas sound for you. Okay. I still got to learn this, so we're (laughs) going to do it. (laughs) All right. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Country, country music. 